Hey guys, Pastor Wes here with Boulevard Church, and I miss you guys so much. I've been saying it every week, and it's because every week I miss you a little bit more than last week. Um, uh, we are diving in and beginning our series that we're calling Heart for the House. We are beginning a series on the church body, and we're not even together yet. Uh, that makes me sad, but I'm also really excited because this is still an opportunity for us to bond as a church, for us to grow closer together. Um, and I'm really excited to see you guys commenting in the comments, so please make sure you're commenting throughout the message. I love hearing what you guys have to say, seeing the things that stand out to you. Heck, even the amens and the hallelujahs, they mean so much to me. I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate you guys. Um, thank you for being involved. It's really an honor and a privilege uh, that you guys would even tune in on a Sunday morning and spend time with uh, me, uh, to spend time with the church. Um, and that's something that I pray we never lose sight of the importance of that. Uh, it's why we're about to embark on our second pillar. We're going to spend the next probably four months um, just talking about the importance of our local church. Uh, but for all those, those of you who don't know, uh, we have begun a year-long series called The Three Pillars. Uh, these were, We believe at Boulevard Church that these are the three pillars not only of our church, but they're the three pillars of Scripture, they're the three pillars of the Christian's life. And what we've been saying around here is that if you focused on doing each of these three things, you would automatically fulfill all the scripture perfectly. Uh, pillar one is our personal relationship with God. Uh, our church, we, we exist to help you cultivate a personal relationship with God. Uh, we, we did an entire series for the last four months called First Love. Head over to YouTube and check it out. Uh, we would love for you guys to watch those videos, kind of get caught up, uh, because we are diving into our second pillar, and there will be a lot of assumptions that we've already taken in the first pillar, because there's a reason why it's first, second, and third. There is a particular order. Uh, first and foremost, your relationship with God is more important than any relationship in your life. Uh, secondly, as we go to our second pillar, is our personal relationship with the church. Uh, another thing, another reason we exist, Boulevard Church exists to help connect you with a Christ-centered body of believers uh, to get discipled and built up to have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, with that kind of thought and with that in mind, um, we will be embarking on a series. Again, we're calling it Heart for the House. Um, your heart and your relationship towards your local church. That was a fly, and I think he was all up in the frame. Uh, lastly, uh, thirdly and lastly, is uh, the third pillar of our church is evangelism. Uh, we believe that Christians, uh, in order to fully walk in your calling, we want to equip you to walk in your calling and your destiny as you walk out and help those in need, whether it's through preaching the gospel, feeding, clothing, just taking care of people who don't know Jesus. And I really genuinely believe that if you focus on putting God first, if you focus on being involved and united with your local community of Christians, and if you focus on reaching out to the lost the broken, you will always fulfill every single verse of scripture. If you focused on doing these things daily, every single day, you would find that um, you are within the will of God and the absolute um, perfect presence of God. We, we believe it's so important. Um, but like I said, we're on our second we're on our second pillar now. That was awesome. That was like not even on purpose. Um, I just need to start over, guys. Like I'm just, right. Um, it's hot in here. I know what I'm saying? Um, but we are starting our series. It's called Heart 
for the house. Um, this first message, I'm just going to give you guys a warning just right off the bat. Really, I'm setting a foundation for the next four months. Uh, so we're going to read a verse, a really well-known section of scripture, and we're going to really break that. It's going to be very broad strokes, uh, very general, uh, because the point is I'm trying to build the framework for what these next four months where all the messages are going to play in. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Uh, this message, I believe, is radically important, and I will be referencing it for the next four months. Probably every Sunday, I'll call back to this message from one way or another, uh, because this was the moment where Jesus established what he wanted his church to look like. And so everything we preach from this weekend on in a part of his Heart for the House series will always be a callback to what Jesus wants his church to look like. Uh, so with that being said, I'm really excited. I hope you got your Bibles because we're going to be in John chapter 17. I got four verses for you today and that's it. Literally, that's it. I don't plan on reading any other verses um, except for these four. Uh, John chapter 17 verses 20. Uh, to 23. Uh, if you can turn your Bibles with me, I would really appreciate it. If you don't have a Bible or you don't have your Bible with you and you don't want to get up and walk to the next room, trust me, I feel you. I wouldn't want to walk to the next room right now. Uh, so Christina's going to bring a Bible and it's going to be right on time and there's not going to be a weird thing where the background plays at one point and the verse plays at another point. Uh, we would never do that. We're all about excellence here. Um, Anyway, uh, so John chapter 17, verse 20 uh, to 23. When you're there, say there in the back. All right. Um, I'll explain the context later. Let's just read the verses for now. I do not ask for these only. Now, this is Jesus praying uh, to God the Father. Uh, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also, they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Uh, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, uh, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, uh, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and they love, uh, sorry, the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Uh, there is so much there to unpack. This is such an important section of scripture. Let's pray in and let's dive in. Amen. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. Uh, God, I pray that we would be a church that's united. God, every single person who believes you, Jesus, are our Lord and our Savior. God, I pray that uh, this message would strike to the heart, God, and draw us closer unto each other, each other, Father God, that we would knit together and be united in your word and in your truth, God. Uh, we thank you for that, God. I pray for every person who's listening to this that doesn't know you, Father God. I thank you for the opportunity for them uh, to see what the church is meant to be, God. That today could be a welcoming moment for people to walk into your body, Father God, and be a part of what you are doing here. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for every person here, God. I pray hearts would be willing to receive, and I pray my mouth uh, would speak the truth, Lord. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. That was for you, Erica. Um, <laughs> so um, today we're going to talk a lot about unity and, and something that makes me laugh a lot. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but there are opportunities and moments where people think they're more united than they really are. I don't know <coughs> 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 what just happened. That was fantastic. <coughs> Anyway, unity, right? Um, <laughs> it threw me off. 
I gotta pray again. Lord, just just bring it back, please. I need you right now. Um, 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 um. I'm gonna get right back into it. Ready? Three, two, one. Let's go. Uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed uh, that sometimes uh, we think we're a lot more unified with people. Uh, than we really are. Um, we'll have moments where we think, yeah, we're on the same page, or yeah, they know what I mean by this. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you were so convinced that someone understood what you were saying, and they came back later with the situation, you're like, you didn't understand me at all, right? Miscommunications are so funny because of how often they happen. Um, I was watching Frozen recently. Don't judge me, it's a good movie. Um, Olaf, I'm all about it. Kristoff, uh, was kind of a useless character. I don't know why he existed, to be completely honest. Um, um, but, uh, so I was watching Frozen, and in the very beginning, uh, when on, she's the red-headed girl, she meets the prince, right? And so, by the way, spoilers, guys, if you haven't seen Frozen, like, turn the volume off for like five seconds. I don't want to ruin the movie for you. Um, but she meets this guy named Hans, and she thinks the moment she sees him, I'm in love with this guy, I want to marry him. And then in true Disney fashion, uh, spoiler, they don't end up together because he's a terrible person. Um, in true Disney fashion, when they realize they love each other, they break into song. And as they break into song, they're singing about how united and how much they love each other. And, and, and then the song, <laughs> she goes, I love that we can finish each other's, and then she says, sandwiches. And he's like, hey, that's what I was going to say. And, and the first time you watch that, it's a goofy little funny moment. The second time you watch that, you realize they're not on the same page at all. And what I realize is really funny because if you look at his face, he goes like this and goes, that's what I was going to say. And it's like, dude, you're a liar. You're not on the same page at all. You guys are not communicating well at all. She thought you were going to say sandwiches because she's not on the same page as you. But you were going to say sentences. And we both know that, that made you mad. Right, I don't know why I'm getting mad about this. Like, I'm getting emotionally invested in that moment uh, because it's like, oh, we're so close. We finish each other's sandwiches. We don't finish each other's sandwiches. Not in my house. I eat my entire sandwich by myself. Uh, but what's just so funny is how often people are not united, but they'll play it off like they are. Uh, what makes me really laugh is uh, when I first got married, um, my wife and I, uh, we came together, and I am a, a very American person. Uh, I have very often offended uh, Cody, because Cody will make food like tacos or something, and I'll pull out ketchup, and I'll start pouring ketchup on it. And like the look on his face, like I like slapped his mother or something, right? Like, and I would never do that, but apparently when I put ketchup on a taco, it's the same feeling to him, because he looks at me and goes like, dude, what are you doing? Um, I used to intern with, with a good friend of mine uh, named Miguel uh, Urias. And every morning we used to do big workouts. And when we'd get home, he would make us food. And he was a, from a Latin background. And so he would make all this food and he would bring it out to us. And I would cover it all in ketchup. And he would look at me so offended. And I'll never forget that one day towards the end of the year, he looked at me and goes, I gotta tell you, when you put ketchup on the food that I make you, it really offends me. And I'm like, I put ketchup on everything my whole life because I'm white. That's just what we do. We put ketchup on things, right? Like, have you seen the picture where it's like a guy's tongue on fire and it's like when a white guy eats an avocado? Like, dude, I understand that. Like, on a spiritual level, I understand that meme. Um, I can't handle spicy foods. I put ketchup on everything or ranch, whatever it is. I just squirt it all over the food. Like, I don't really like food that much. I like ketchup and I like putting different things underneath my ketchup. Um, 
And my wife grew up with a Russian family. Dude, they have a fish salad. It is a fish and beet a fish and beet salad. I still have not forgiven Elder Nadia for feeding me that and not telling me what was in it. Like, I still hold that offense in my heart, right? And so my wife and I, we get married, and she goes, I'm going to make something good. You're going to love it. And what happened was the worst meal I have ever eaten in the entirety of my life. She made a soup, and she's like, oh, it's a Russian soup. It has sausage. I don't like sausage. It has kale. No one likes kale. Uh, it, it was water. Uh, I like stew. I don't really like soup that much. And there was like chunky potatoes in it. And my wife ate, it was like this big pot, like this big. Um, my wife ate the entire thing by herself because I hated it. And my wife was like, what are you talking about? This is so good. And I'm like, we're not on the same wavelength because what you think is good, I think is terrible. I hate tomatoes. And one time my wife walked out with a giant tomato, put salt on it and ate the tomato. And I was like, yo, that's disgusting, right? Like I'm not even emotionally prepared for what I just saw, right? Um, and so it actually took like a year of our marriage for us to start finding foods that we both liked. Um, but I'll always remember back to the comedy of that moment because my wife looked at me and here's what she said. She goes, I'm going to make something. You're going to love it. I was so excited. And there was not a single dang thing in that soup that I liked. And honestly, I still think she's lying that she liked it, right? The first time she ever gave me food before, ever. We were interns. I'd barely met her. We had a tea party. She gave everyone soup, right? She put my soup in my hand, and she goes, here. And then she walked up with a spoonful of mayo. And before I had a chance to react, she shoved it in my soup and mixed it in. And I was like, what just happened, right? Just like not on the same wavelength at all. This soup that she made in this big tank, this big tanky thing, I want you to know what happened to that 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 pan. We use that pan to clean our turtle's tank. The reason why is because I never want that meal again. And so we had to find something to do with the pan and now we clean the turtle tank with it. Um, but it was just so funny how my wife and I, we weren't on the same page for the first year of our marriage when it came to food. Um, it, made, it made for some weird arguments, right? Where it's like, I don't like this. And it's like, yes, you do. You ate it last week. And it's like, no, I didn't. I would never eat this, right? Just this kind of back and forth and back and forth. And I think, again, like I had pointed out with my wife, you're going to love this. And it's like, I hated it. Like, how could you think I would love this, right? You don't know me. Uh, you, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what kind of person I am, uh, right? Um, but uh, I think Christians, we all have to go through a very similar thing with each other. Uh, that Jesus Christ, if you looked at what he said in his prayer, he said, God, I want you to be one. Sorry, God, I want them to be one with each other as you and I are one. We can't understand the unity in the church unless we understand the Trinity. So really briefly, because this isn't a message on the Trinity, uh, but I really want to drop it really quick just in case you don't know. In Christianity, uh, typically uh, what we believe is that God is one. The Bible only has one God, and yet he, he reveals himself in three different persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so you, you see that kind of graph where it's like Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, the Father is God, but Jesus is not the Father, the Father is not the Spirit, but the Spirit is not Jesus. They're one, but 
what they're three. Uh, the Trinity is kind of a really complicated concept to understand. But basically, when Jesus says, God, I want them to be one with each other, like we are one, literally, Jesus and the Father are actually one. They are both individually the one true God. And so Jesus makes this profound prayer. And if we don't understand the depth of unity that the Godhead has, just how deeply unified the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are, we can't understand how deeply unified God calls his church to be. And I think becoming unified and coming together, I think it's a process. I think that it's not our immediate instincts to completely and fully submit every corner of our lives to God. And I think that those areas that are unsubmitted, we all have our own, they begin to clash with each other as we're unifying. And again, we're going to talk about having a heart for the house over these next four months. And you can't have a heart for the house unless you understand just how united God wants the church to be. Because as long as we're thinking of the church as, well, this is his building, he's the pastor, I just attend. As long as we think about it like that, there will always be a separation between you and the church. I don't think a pastor should have more ownership than a leader. I don't think a leader should have more ownership than a, a regular person who attends. I don't think the regular attender should have more uh, ownership than a kid. I think we all should have extreme ownership of the community that God put us in. And my proof is in this, is that Jesus said, may they be one as you and I are one. Um, just pick a person. Pick any person that goes to Boulevard Church, the church that you're at. Christina's here, so I'm gonna pick Christina. God wants me to be as united with Christina, who's right here. Say hi, Christina. What's up? Right, her, that person. God wants me to be as Jesus prayed that I would be just as united with her that he is with his father. Um, that means ideologically we should be formed together. Uh, that means in love for each other we should be formed together. That means in identity we should be one together. Um, and I want to hit those really quick, but really, really quick before I dive into that, I want to drop just a little more context. Um, what I love about John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23, and actually a few verses after, but uh, that dives into the next part of the message that isn't this week. Um, Jesus, if you look at his entire life, every time he prayed, he would pray for his disciples, he would pray in the moment. Uh, if you go to John chapter 17, verse 20, you see the only time in scripture that Jesus Christ prayed for you specifically. Um, if you look at this chapter before Jesus first prays for himself, and then Jesus prays for his disciples, and then what does he say in verse 20? He said, I do not ask for these only, these are his disciples. He says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's me. That's you. That's all of us. Because the people who believed in Jesus in the time of his birth, uh, they're all dead now. All that's left are people who believe through the word of his disciples. That means if you want to read when Jesus prayed for you, if you want to read a moment where Jesus prayed for you specifically, go to John chapter 17, start at verse 20 and read till the end of the chapter. You will see what Jesus wanted for you most in this world. So much so that he made sure it made it in his Bible. He made sure you could read a moment where Jesus could tell you this is exactly my heart for you as an individual. Wesley, this is my heart for you. I'm about to sneeze. Man, cough, sneezes, like, I'm not even sick. I feel great. I'm just a little hot because I'm under these lights. But I feel great. What's going on here? Um, I think I choked on a 
a little fluff, and I think I sneezed on a little fluff. So I think there's fluffs in the air. Um, all right, uh, but Jesus, this is a moment he specifically prayed for you. And if you look at the context of that prayer, here's what you see. He prays for unity. He prays for love. And that's really it. I want to read you a quote from my Bible, uh, my commentary. Uh, if, you, if you go to ESV.org, uh, they have this free commentary that I love to use because I think it's fantastic. It's also in my Bible. Uh, but for this section of scripture, uh, here's what he says. Jesus' prayer points to his chief concern being his people's unity and love. Jesus Christ, when he prayed for you individually, he prayed that you would be united and he prayed that you would be bound, you would, be, you would abound in love. Um, so when we say, God, what is your will for my life? I can answer that easily because he prayed it over your life. He prayed that you would be united with the fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and that you would love them deeply. And so really quickly, uh, verses 21, 22, and 23, I want to take each one and point out to you a really foundational thing that Jesus specifically prayed for you. So if we read verse 21 again, it says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Like read that 5,000 times and try to understand it because it looks kind of like a mess until you break it down. There's a lot of them, us, we, you, unity, but that's the point, right? It's just a big mess of everyone's united. Like we're all just united. But what I want to point out in that verse Jesus is specifying that all of our unity is found in him. Verse 21 can be boiled down to this, uh, that they may be one in us. They is us. I want Wesley. I want Versavia. I want Christina. I want Sadiqa. I want Eric. I want Thomas. I want Robert. I want Sage. I want April, right? Like it's just pick people, right? In your church, right? I want all of you to be one with each other in us. Uh, so really all that is, is a point back to our first pillar. You cannot know what it means to be one in us until you know who Jesus Christ is, until you have a relationship with him, until you build that relationship and get to know him. Because our God is perfectly united together. And so when we begin to understand what he called us to be, when we begin to understand who he's spoken over us, literally just go listen to every single message that we've preached in the First Love series and begin to wear that stuff. I am a child of God. I am I am the bride of Christ. I am the head and not the tail, right? Like all these things, just begin to claim them over your life. And as you walk in those things naturally, you find unity with other people who are also walking in those things naturally. The church is not meant to be divided. The church is not meant to be broken apart because our unity is found in God and God will never be divided and God will never be broken apart. Amen? Now, if we go to verse 22, it says, The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they, they may be one even as we are one. Hear that same thing again? That they may be united as we are united. But what does he say this time? Now, instead of saying that we're united in him, he's saying that we're united in him through his glory. Uh, do you know the word glory? Whenever you read it in the Bible, it always means the word weight. Literally, it means the weight of God. 
that manifests itself in two ways. And I truly, deeply believe that in this section of scripture, both of those two ways are exactly what Jesus is talking about. Way number one uh, is the weight of God's presence and power. So when Jesus says, the glory given to me, I have given to them also. Remember when Jesus gets baptized and he comes back up and the Holy Spirit lands upon him. That was the weight or the glory of God coming upon Jesus. And so Jesus says, just as you put your glory on me, the Holy Spirit, so I'm putting the weight of my glory on them, the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? That we are united together as a church in the presence and power of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Um, we should walk. When we worship, we should feel God's presence together. We should experience God's presence together. We should be praying with each other. We should be evangelizing with each other. We should just be calling each other and talking to each other, right? There is a weight and there is a presence associated with the church coming together and seeing God move. And so just like the weight of God's presence was given from God to Jesus and from Jesus to us, and that proof that we are one to, together, then we need to walk in that same thing also. But here's the other thing. Uh, the weight of glory is also Christ's character. A lot of people kind of undermine that or don't appreciate that in Scripture, that a lot of times when the Bible talks about the weight of glory, it's dealing with a character change. It's dealing with um, the fact that Christ's character needs to be manifested in us, right? And the proof is that the fruit of the Spirit, right, the proof of the presence, the proof of the glory is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things are the character of Christ. And so just like we should be together in the presence of Christ actually moving, where I believe healings happen, where I believe miracles happen, where I believe breakthrough happens, where I believe people experience freedom, I also believe the weight of God's presence or the weight of glory is when we come together and we love each other. When we come together and we're at peace with each other. When we come together and we have joy being together. Um, when we come together and we're faithful to each other. When we're gentle with each other. When we're good with each other. Just when the present, when we're humble before each other. Right? This is the living God's character amongst each other. Here's what happens when that happens. There's no more gossip in the church. Uh, there's no more, oh, I don't want to go there today. Uh, there's no more, well, I'm torn because my friends don't hang out at church and I got to go to church. But really what eventually happens is your friends are in church, right? Uh, a big change happens in our life in response to the glory of God's presence that is given to the body of Christ, which is the, the fly. I touched him. <laughs> Amen. Um, it is like extra hot in here right now. I, it's not usually this hot. Um, lastly, our last verse, kind of how I want to end this. I, I didn't want to go long today. Like I said, I'm setting a foundation. Um, and starting next week, we're going to be diving into really specific things. And so I just wanted to make sure that we had a good groundwork uh, for one that our unity is found uh, exactly like Christ and God's unity is, or Christ and the Father, um, that we are one with each other in Christ, um, that we are one through the glory of God's presence and his character. And the last point comes from verse 23. It says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Being perfectly one in God's love. What I find so unique and so interesting is that so often we as people, we circle around our flaws. 
Uh, when I was in high school, all the jocks hung out with the jocks, and they all dressed the same, looked the same, talked the same. Uh, I hung out with the emo scene kids. We all had the same big skate shoes. We all had the same skinny jeans. We all had the band shirts. We all had the bracelets up to here, but we also all had cut marks on our wrists. We also listened to the same music, and it's similar issues. And what I mean is, typically as people, if you think back to the friends you've had, typically we surround ourselves around the fact that we have similar struggles, we have the same weaknesses, we have the same temptations. And I'm not saying that's always a bad thing, uh, but when Christ calls us into the church, he calls us to circle around his love and our breakthroughs. See, the reason why Christians should all be united, we say these things to each other, it's like, oh, I don't really like this person. Um, they just don't like the same music as me, or oh, we don't like the same music. It's just really hard to talk to this person. But if you're wrapped in how much God loves you, suddenly we have so much in common because we can talk about the Bible together. We can talk about worship together. Uh, we can talk about worship music together. We can talk about books together. Uh, we can talk about our similar hobbies, our church, the things we're doing, our callings, our, our just what God is doing in our lives. We can be open. We can be sincere with each other. Unlike we can be with even some of our closest friends in the world, we have to keep certain parts back. Now see, what I love about this section is if you look in the Bible, it says perfectly one. But if you go into the Aramaic, uh, sections uh, again, not the Greek, but the actual Aramaic translations of these Bibles, which Jesus spoke Aramaic. Uh, that word "perfectly one" translates better to "shrinks into one." Uh, what does that mean? Is that this is a message on humility? As the church comes together to be perfectly together, what that word translates to is that we shrink into one, as in we humble ourselves and come together. And then now we're not trying to compete with each other. Now when the Bible says we outdo each other in showing honor because we shrunk to come together, suddenly my excitement comes in building you guys up because I love you, because I look to the cross and I see what Jesus Christ did. It's kind of something I say a lot around here, but I want to say it again, that when Adam was alone, God put him to sleep and from his side, he pulled his wife right? And then when Jesus Christ was dying on the cross and the Roman soldier, soldier pierced his side and blood and water poured out, it's just like as from the side of Adam, his bride came out of the side of Christ, Christ's bride came. That's me and that's you and that's anyone who believes Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. So get this, that means we should love each other to that depth because here's the thing about you if you're listening to me, Jesus Christ died for you. And that is enough for me to love you with everything in me. And if the church really saw that in each other, when someone's gossiping against you, you look at them and you want to fight back, you want to get offended, but you realize, no, Jesus died for you and he loves you. So I'm not going to carry the offense that you're trying to give me, but I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand with you. What if the church responded like that? What would the church begin to look like as we walked together in perfect unity? I want to end with a quote by Chuck Swindle. And Chuck Swindle said this, loving others requires us to express our liberty wisely. In other words, love must rule. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. My goal is not to please me. It is to please my Lord, Jesus Christ, my God. So the bottom line is this. I don't adapt my life according to what you may say. I adapt my life according to the basis of my love for you because I answer to Christ and so do you. I want to read that one more time, and actually I'm saying this out loud for editing purposes. Uh, Christina, if we're able to make a slide where this just appears in front of people, that would be awesome. But I want to read it one more time as we close, um, because it, it's kind of a mouthful, and there's a lot of theological terms in it. Uh, but I think Chuck Swindle hit the nail on the head of what a loving Christian looks like. Loving others 
requires us to express our liberty wisely. I am free to live how I want, but I'm going to hold back and I'm going to do certain things because I love you. As Paul said, if I'm around a Christian who can't handle me, may I never eat meat again, right? Paul says that, right? Because it's not about the fact that I can eat meat or I can do what I want because I'm a Christian. It's about what do you need from me? And I'm going to express my liberty, my freedom in Christ in the form of whatever you need, I'll be for you. Um, in other words, love must rule. What is love? There is no greater love than this than to give up your life for your friend. To lower yourself, again, to shrink into one, to shrink in humility and put another first. Love must rule. Um, I am not my own. I am bought at a, Christ, a price. If you're a Christian, here's what you believe. I died to myself and I rose in Christ. And if Christ died to serve you, then I will die to serve you also. That is not something pastors need to think. That is something Christians need to think about each other. Basically, a lot of the modern day expectation for pastors, most Christians need to have. Um, not most, all Christians need to have. Uh, I think we've really dumbed down what it means to love each other in a lot of senses. Um, I am not my own. I am bought at a price. I've died, and I've rose again with Christ, and because Christ bought me, I give my all for him. Uh, my goal is not to please me. Well, I want to yell at you right now. Well, I need attention. Well, I need to be recognized. Well, I'm going through this. Well, you don't know what this person said about me. Well, you don't know what I've been through. Well, you don't know. I, 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 I. Francis Chan says something um, that really offended me when I first heard it, but I think it's important. He said when he, when he first started his church, people would start to talk to him about their issues, and he, he, he would sit with them for months, and he realized, like, I think we've talked about you too long, you know? Um, and now as we're shifting our perspective, we spent four months talking about God and how much he loves you and what you're worth. And now I wanna spend the next month, four months talking about now that you know what you're worth, recognize that's how much everyone else in your church is worth and give everything to them just like God gave everything to you. Um, my goal is not to please me, it is to please Jesus Christ, my God. So the bottom line is this, I don't adapt my life according to what you may say. I adapt my life according to the basis of my love for you because I answer to Christ and so do you. I'm not going to change my love for you because of your hatred for me, right? I'm gonna continue to love you because Christ continued to love you. If you're angry or you have forgiveness issues towards someone, I think as Christians, if we're gonna stand in love, we have to let go of those things. I think if you've been gossiping about someone or you've been gossiped about, either way the answer is the same. Stop and love. It's hard to do if you're doing it on your own. It's easy to do if you've given your all to Christ. And I didn't plan on doing this. Forgive me. I want to read one more quote as I wrap this up. Uh, I really didn't plan it, so let me find it uh, really quick. Um, 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 and for, like I said, I really didn't plan this. I need to, um, but I, I think it's, I think it's important for all of us. Um, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like the decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. That is such an important perspective for all Christians to have. I didn't deserve freedom, but God gave it to me anyway. And maybe you don't deserve my forgiveness, but in that same likeness, I need to give it to you anyway. 
I love you, church. Um, like I said, I'm sorry if this wasn't like a big, exciting thing. I was just setting a groundwork because we have a lot of really important things to talk about for the next few weeks, um, few months, actually. Uh, I want to say excitedly uh, that Pastor Thomas is preaching this next week. Uh, it'll give me a little break uh, to get ready for this series, and he has a lot to give when it comes to the concept of the church. Um, I will say, kind of going into this, uh, along with my wife, I don't think I've ever met a more loyal friend uh, than Pastor Thomas, and I think if anyone has a good perspective to give on friendship, on loyalty, on sacrifice, and on what the church should be, I think it's him. Um, I think a lot of you are very loving. I think God is really doing a lot in our church, uh, but continue to grow in love for one another. Unite under God and be one with each other in love, in presence of Christ, in character of Christ. Be one with each other the same way that Jesus Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are one. I love you, church. I pray you have a blessed day. I'm going to log on and do a live conversation soon uh, with you guys. I'm really looking forward to it because I really miss you guys. Uh, but if you don't come and join me on that, have a blessed week. Um, and I'll see you later, church.